everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British Royal history. Almost two weeks ago, the world was left aghast to hear what Prince Harry and Meghan had to say in their interview with Oprah. What was heard was shocking, especially when the allegations of racism within the institution were brought to light. The palace has come out with its formal statement, and the Duke of Cambridge even went so far as to say, quote, the family is not racist, end quote. When doing an engagement on Thursday of this past week, breaking away from the tradition within the royal family of not speaking about matters such as this publicly, the world is seemingly divided when it comes to this interview. Some call it meaningless gossip and uncalled for, disrespecting both the monarchy and the family itself. Others are siding with the Duke and Duchess, saying that the family needs to do more besides give a public statement. Action needs to be done. The firm is now in a very precarious position, and these next few weeks are going to be very tense for them as they remedy this situation. One aspect that has stood out to me are the notions that the institution is not supportive or understanding to its new members, especially when those new members are working royals. If you marry into the family, you are seemingly on your own to find your way. It's as if you're out to sea without a life jacket. What comes to mind is a moderately similar interview with the same drastic repercussions that happened almost 26 years ago. If you're thinking what I'm thinking, or saw the title, then you are correct. It is the famous, or infamous, depending on who you are, panorama interview with Princess Diana. When looking at history objectively, there are many similarities between the experiences of Diana, Princess of Wales, and the Duchess of Sussex. Royal interviews of this nature are few and far between, so when they do happen, it's a landmark event. After Diana's, a live interview of the same caliber would not happen again until 2019 when Prince Andrew sat down and discussed his relationship and connections to Jeffrey Epstein. The Queen has had a personal mantra of, quote, never complain, never explain, end quote. And it is said that she doesn't like interviews such as these because once you start sharing personal things, it's like Pandora's box. The public will always want to know more. In its time, Princess Diana's interview was a bombshell called The Scoop of the Century, and it had a massive impact on both her, the monarchy, and the public as a whole. So stay tuned as we delve into this landmark interview. In order to better understand this interview and why it was such a big deal, we need to have some historical context. At this time, the only time in a royal would speak to the press or have an interview such as this was in a documentary fashion, where the main goal was to promote the monarchy, to show them in a positive light, and focus on their charities and work that the family does. Nothing personal was ever discussed, and even then, they're few and far between. There was the landmark documentary in 1969, and that was the closest anybody got to seeing the royals personally. It is known that Prince Charles and Princess Diana did not have a happy marriage. Even though there were some happy times, I mean, we have to give them some credit because they did bring Prince William and Prince Harry into the world, 
More often than not, it was an unhappy union. Diana had issues with her own mental health, her battle with bulimia, and she didn't feel supported or understood by either her husband or the institution. The public adored her, but the press made her life miserable as they wanted to get any and all photos of her to sell to the tabloid press. On the complete other side of the coin, Prince Charles had grown resentful of her as the public was more interested in his wife than the heir to the British throne. Aside from a period of a few years early on in their marriage, he was still seeing his mistress, Camilla Parker Bowles. To sum up the marriage of the Prince and Princess of Wales in one word, toxic. Charles and Diana got married in 1981, and for a period of about five years, they tried to make it really work. But even then, it wasn't successful. Countless arguments, misunderstandings, pressures from within the firm and the press, and resentment filled their marriage. It is known that in 1986, Prince Charles resumed his physical relationship with Camilla Parker Bowles, even though we know that they maintained a friendship way before them. The public was none the wiser for most of the 80s, believing that the fairy tale they were seeing was real, but it was actually a very different story. We have seen this story play out multiple times in documentaries, television series, and in film. Diana herself goes into a lot of detail in the book about her, uh, Diana, Her True Story, in her own words, by Andrew Morton, as well as the released audio tapes that were used for that book that are now a documentary on Netflix. As we enter into the 90s, the facade drops. Phone calls get leaked. The press are now aware that there are infidelities on both sides. Prince Charles and Princess Diana are both seeking what they need elsewhere, and things are very publicly souring. In 1992, the landmark book Diana, in her own words by Andrew Morton, is released, and it exposed what many people feared, and it really turned people away from the monarchy. Subsequently, later that year, it would be announced that the Prince and Princess of Wales were formally separating. And in early 1993, Diana made her public announcement that she was leaving public work to focus on her children, her mental health, her family, and her charities. While still being a member of the firm, her presence there was slowly becoming less and less. We now fast forward to 1994. Prince Charles sits down to do an interview himself, a more personal interview. The main goal was to humanize the Prince of Wales, to remove the awe and mystery and showcase Charles in a positive light, to show the monarchy at its best. That would soon backfire as he would admit to his affair with Camilla Parker Bowles. He would defend himself by saying that he did commit adultery after the marriage broke down and it couldn't be mended. The two and a half hour interview slash documentary was meant to showcase the 25th anniversary of his investiture and to highlight him and the monarchy. But all anyone could report or talk about was that the rumors were true. He cheated on Diana. That exact same day, we have the famous moment of Diana getting out of the car in her revenge dress. To sum up that moment in one word, it is stunning. It showed the world that Diana was stronger than what we had believed, and it put the public support behind her. In some regards, Diana did know how to use the public and the media to her advantage. Entering 1995, the thoughts of divorce had not crossed either of their minds. Charles had mentioned it a few times, but Diana was adamant that she didn't want one. They began to find a rhythm co-parenting William and Harry, and behind closed doors, things seemed to work. But the public wanted to know more. They really couldn't believe that the fairy tale around them was a lie. That same year, 
journalist and reporter Martin Bashir gained the trust of Diana and he convinced the princess to give a tell-all interview, to tell her side of the story. The interview was kept very quiet from the family and the entire royal household. Under the pretense of installing a new hi-fi system, Bashir and others from the BBC snuck into Diana's Kensington Palace sitting room and conducted the interview in absolute secrecy. In addition to Bashir, Panorama producer Mike Robinson and a cameraman, Tony Poole, were also present at the time of the interview. The interview would go live in November 1995, and they, along with Diana, were advised against it. The Queen Mother was apparently scheduled to have surgery that week and there was a risk of her death. While it did not happen, there were a lot of people on both sides saying to not go through with it and to stop. They went ahead anyway. The 54-minute interview went live on November 20th, 1995 on BBC One and was called the Interview of the Century. It rocked the royal family to its core. In the interview, Diana brings to life her struggles within the royal family and treatment from them, the royal household, and the press. At times, it's hard to listen and watch to when she discusses her battles with depression, self-harm, and eating disorders. She paints a picture of an establishment not understanding or caring about her struggles and isolating her away, labeling her a problem and hiding it from the public. She cried out for help, even though she said that she could have done better to more effectively communicate this. She was labeled as crazy, unstable, and too much, and no one in the firm wanted to help her. Her husband's staff did not approve or like her, and they did everything they could to discredit her. She felt that the entire royal system was against her. With the leaks of her phone calls to James Hewitt and others, it was a toxic time, and that she was untrue to herself, and she strayed away from the marriage. She revealed that although she still loved her husband, the marriage was toxic and unhappy. They did have similar interests, but he still saw her as the, quote, 18-year-old girl he engaged, end quote, and didn't give her credit. She had since grown up. She learned a lot, and she was very much a different person. All she wanted was validation, a simple good job, or are you okay? But she never received that. They kept a united front, did join engagements, and presented this fairy tale. But behind closed doors, it was very different. The marriage was broken. They both were out of steam, and they had earnestly tried to no avail. Admitting that she knew about her husband's adultery, her famous quote, There were three in the marriage, so it was a bit crowded, struck a chord in people's hearts. She discusses her work, saying that no matter what, she wants to go out and help and support people, love people, and help those at the fringes of society because they are the most honest and didn't expect, didn't expect anything from her. She addressed the tell-all book published by Andrew Morton a few years prior, saying that she did give permission to her friends to talk to him and to let her story be told. Towards the end of the interview, Diana becomes very critical of the monarchy and discusses how it needs to change and to be there for the people, to be what the people need. At the end, she says her heartbreaking statement that she doesn't believe she will be queen. The institution has labeled her a non-starter and a problem, and that they don't like how strong-willed she is, that she leads from the heart and not the head, and she would rather be the queen of people's hearts. Be that someone, because someone has to go out and love people. 
The interview was a huge public outcry that she was not supported or understood in her work within the institution, that the family didn't understand her or her problems and made little attempt to help, that her husband was very much wronging her and didn't do anything to help her, and that overall, she was very open with her faults with her own adultery, mental health, and eating disorders. At the time, it was the most transparent and vulnerable a member of the royal family had ever been publicly. They don't do that. They don't show, they don't go outside with the side down. They're always very put together, stern, firm. No one had ever seen a royal like this before. Her bright blue eyes looked even bigger and emotional thanks to the little extra dark eyeliner eyeliner she wore seemingly wearing her heart right there on her face for the public to see. She poured everything out. A royal has never done that in public, yet alone a live television event. Aside from that fact, why was this interview such a bombshell? Well, to begin, no one knew about it. It was a complete surprise. It was a heavy guarded secret until the day of filming. The firm had no idea and they were very, very blindsided by this. She revealed things previously unknown, ripping the curtain away and letting the light shine through. Additionally, she was very critical of the family and the institution in this interview, calling for ways to change, directly critiquing them, pointing out the flaws within the institution and showing that it's not perfect that it is very flawed and in some ways very antiquated. While Diana dodged the questions about whether Charles would be a good king and if it should go straight to William, it doesn't matter whether she answered or not. The damage had already been done, the question had already been asked, and it got people talking. The interview very much broke away from the idea of, quote, never complain, never explain, end quote. A mantra adopted by the queen and the royal family, it helps keep the divide between royals and the public. The smoke and mirrors illusion is kept alive with this mantra as it still adds to the mystery to the royals. No one knows them personally. And now we have an interview where a member of the royal family completely opens their heart out and makes a very personal side known. Once that door is open, it's very hard for it to close again, so much of the family subscribes to the Never Complain, Never Explain mantra to keep it closed to not go down that alleyway. Diana was separated from the family for around three years at the point of the interview, and this was a very clear sign that she didn't feel like a member of the family anymore. She broke with tradition. She aired her grievances. She retaliated against the Queen, Prince Charles, and the entirety of the establishment. And that's something royals don't do. They don't share their opinions or personal items in public. It is known that the Queen, as well as the family, were very angry. They were very pissed off about this. This was the final nail in the coffin with the marriage between the Prince and Princess of Wales, as a few months later, it would be publicly announced that Prince Charles and Princess Diana had divorced. Although Diana said she didn't want that to happen, as she was a product of a broken home, it did go through anyway. These actions further widened the divide between public and monarchy, with many people siding with Princess Diana. Years later, this interview still resonates with the public. It doesn't help that a few months after the interview, the couple got divorced. And a little over a year later, maybe a year and a half, Diana tragically died in a car accident. Paired with this interview, it gives Diana the tragic fairy tale ending that as time keeps progressing, she still comes out to be this wronged party. 
The interview humanized her. It, it exposed the man behind the curtain within the monarchy, so to speak. It solidified what the public was already beginning to think about the firm in the 90s, yet alone today. In many ways, Prince Harry and Meghan could not have had their interview with Oprah without Diana having her interview with Panorama. Much like Diana back then, the Duke and Duchess took matters into their own hands and wanted to not only tell their side of the story, but to defend themselves and dispel the, <laughs> the vast amount of rumors. There are many parallels between Diana's experience and Meghan's experience within the firm. Being left alone, not being well-trained in etiquette or expectations, not feeling supported or understood by the institution, and not being protected from the media and the press. There are a lot of parallels there, you can't deny that. Prince Harry feared history repeating itself, and with his own interview, sadly it already has. The interview confirmed many fears that the public had, and that is, if the stories they, they share are to be the truth, then the royal family has learned nothing from Princess Diana. Both interviews were last resort bids for freedom from an institution that seemed to them more concerned with convention and keeping face rather than supporting their needs. In 2019, there was an investigation into Diana's 1995 interview. Apparently, bank statements were faked and shown to Diana as a way to manipulate her and convince her that staff members were being paid to spy on her in order to gain her trust. Other tactics were allegedly used to intimidate and coerce her into giving the interview, making it feel that the situation was more dire than it actually was. While the charges have officially been dropped, no one will really ever know the truth. As of 2021, the investigation into this this interview was dropped and now no one will really know exactly what caused her to have this interview and share her side of the story. Diana's interview in 1995 took the world by storm. It rocked the very foundation of the institution to its core. Being blindsided as the Princess of Wales took back her voice and her destiny and told her side of the story. Even to this day, people have many opinions about this interview. Some call her brave and the critiques she listed apt and just. Her feelings are real and subsequently they're justified. Others see it as her being dramatic an actress even, and using her power in the media to her advantage. Although she claims she did not like attention or the press themselves, she certainly got a lot from this interview. This interview divided the public both in the UK and also across the pond here in America. How could a woman, the Princess of Wales, future queen consort, loved by all and doing wonderful charity work, be so unhappy, so miserable in an institution that doesn't understand her and doesn't want to understand her? A husband not sympathetic and untrue, a system that was apparently out to discredit and ruin her both inside and outside the palace walls. It was shocking then, and it is still shocking now. Cinematic parallels tie this interview with the interview given not just two weeks ago by Prince Harry and Meghan. Did Diana know back then that it would come to this? Could she foresee history repeating itself with her youngest son? No one will ever know the truth there. My sources for today's episode are the websites bbc.co.uk, 
and independent.co.uk, as well as the New York Times, Time Magazine, and Tatler. The interview in its entirety is no longer available to be viewed on public spaces, but a transcript can be found thanks to the BBC, and certain highlights are on YouTube. My credit and thanks to all of those sources. Thank you for stopping by the podcast today if you made it this far. I'm really happy if you did. If you want to email me to let me know how I'm doing, you can at BritishRoyalFanPod at gmail.com, or you can head over to Twitter and follow me there at Fanatic underscore Royal. I like to interact with you all there as best I can, and I would love to make this podcast as best it can be. If you would like to make a donation and support the podcast, you can do so on the Anchor homepage. Your donations will help make the podcast the best it can be, and regardless of whatever amount you choose, I am grateful and appreciative, and thank you very much. Head over to Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and more. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share if you can so that we can play into various algorithms on those platforms and the podcast can continue to grow and I can continue to improve it. I'm very excited as the podcast family continues to grow and expand. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe and stay healthy. And I'll see you in the next one.